I want to say that it is good to be with you this morning. We're glad that you have come out to worship God with us. Hopefully something that we say during this meeting might be able to help you as you go along your Christian walk. I want to be uh, available for anybody that wants to visit or if you want to make some visits, I want to make myself available to go with you on that. If you want to study something, I'll be glad to do that. If you want me to get out of the way and let you do it, I'll be glad to do that too. Uh, this is your work and we're here to try to help with that. And I know it's just a small part of the work that you do here, but we want to be able to help in, in any way that we can. Got here last night, Craig and I in short sleeves and I'm thinking I'm in Amarillo, it's plenty hot, didn't even turn the heat on when I went to bed, thought, you know, next few days we'll just open up all the windows and kind of enjoy the warm weather and sometime in the night somebody moved my trailer to Minnesota and so I guess it won't work out exactly the way I planned. I want to talk to you about something that many of you may be familiar with, I don't know, and I may be able to bring a little bit of a perspective to it. I want to talk to you about the ride in the chariot in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, there is a gentleman that is riding in a chariot. He has gone to Jerusalem to worship God. And he is coming home and Philip the evangelist is told by the Spirit to go and preach to this man. And there are some things about the ride in the chariot as they rode along that are important. I run into a gentleman in the Houston area years ago that gave me a revelation from God. And I want to share that with you this morning. What he told me about the ride in the chariot. And maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the things that the world believes about this subject. In the, in the case, you have the conversion of a man of Ethiopia and how he became a Christian. And that's what we want to talk about. In Acts 8, verse 26, And the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch under great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship. It was returning, sitting in the chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Philip ran there to him and heard him and read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he besought Philip that he should come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, like a lamb done before his shears, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuchs answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. As they went on their way, they come into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. This is the story of the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch and the ride in the chariot and what was going on. And I want you to know that when it comes to conversion, there's two things that are going to have to happen. There are two that have responsibility. There is the one that told the story, and there is the one that received the message. Philip didn't argue with the Lord about going and speaking to this man of Ethiopia. The Spirit said, go join yourself to the chariot, and he did. Had Philip not taken the time and the interest in this soul that this man had, he would not have been converted on that ride in the chariot. 
You and I are called to go and spread the gospel. If the church does not do it, brethren, tell me who's going to. The Spirit, the same Spirit that called Philip to go preach to the man in the chariot has given you and I the commission to go into the world and preach the gospel. You know what God said, or through, through the Apostle Paul, the Lord said? In earthen vessels we have this treasure. You are the earthen vessel in whom the treasure of eternal life and the secrets of the kingdom of God is in. When I first come to the church back in the ancient days, <laughs> many of you were not even thought of then. I did not believe that just an average person without biblical training could get up and preach the gospel. And I hung around with men older than myself and was amazed at how they could quote the Bible. How they knew that book forward and backwards. The treasures in earthen vessels. That's where I learned it. From somebody that knew what Jesus wanted me to do. I read a story years ago of a of a gentleman that was given a car back in the horse and buggy days and he had this neat car, powerful motor and he come to town and that car was pulled by horses. Kind of different. A fellow said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm riding my new car. And the man reached in and turned that key and turned on hundreds of horses. And he goes, what's that? <laughs> you see, I think the church is like that. There is power there that is waiting to be used that can change lives and change the world. Turn the key on. The Bible says through the foolishness of preaching, God chose to save the world. You and I telling the story. How we doing? Do we seek opportunities like the fella did here, like Philip did with the chariot? Are we passing those opportunities by? I want you to understand something. And we may talk about Lazarus and the rich man this week. I want you to know the rich man was not responsible for every beggar in Israel. There were lots of them in Israel. And lots of them starved to death and they died and they were sick and all that. And God did not call the rich man on the carpet for every beggar in Israel. And you are not responsible. God's not going to hold you personally responsible for every soul on the planet. But you know what God did want to know? What about the one that laid at your doorstep? What about the one you did have opportunity to help? What about that? That's what the Lord's going to want to know about. Now, Philip didn't have the opportunity, maybe that Peter did, where he was going to preach to thousands. Maybe Philip never had the opportunity to stand at Mars Hill like Paul. But God did expect him to tell the eunuch the story. That one he was responsible for. You and I need to, are going to be held responsible for the ones that we could reach. But we didn't. I want to give you a little bit about this man of Ethiopia. The Bible says he was the treasurer, so he was a man of position. He's a man of authority. He was an important fella. He had rule over the treasure of Candace, uh, the queen of the Ethiopians. So he was probably used to being in a position of power. You know, sometimes that hurts people. Sometimes that prevents people from doing what they know God wants them to do to be saved. 
In John chapter 12, verse 42, the Bible says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. They knew who Jesus was. You know, if you look up that term, believed on him, that is the strongest phrase and belief that you can have. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, many believed on him. They knew this was the Son of God. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They were people of position. They had authority. They were men that were looked up to as rulers among the people. But the Pharisees had given a decree that if anybody acknowledged that Jesus was the Son of God, they would be kicked out of the synagogue. And their position was more important to them than serving the living God. If my position in life is more important to me than serving the living God, enjoy this life because you're as close to heaven as you're ever going to get. Is position what holds us back? What somebody would think? Is that what holds us back? It's what held these people back. Now, I want you to know, in our country, I can go down the streets of Amarillo with one of them board zones and says, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and everybody go, that's nice. There are some parts of the world, you utter that phrase, and you won't be long for this world. In the Middle East, they're killing Christians, quote, unquote, right and left. Because they utter the phrase, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, it's pretty easy for me and you to make that confession because there's no danger. What if there was danger of loss of position, loss of your job, maybe loss of life? This man was a man of position, and yet he was still interested in God. There's nothing wrong with having position and authority as long as God still comes first. And this man wanted to know who this was. You know what? He, he was part of the old religion. How many times, and I know all of us, not just evangelists, but all of us have run into somebody that says, I was raised, whatever, and I will die, whatever. Congratulations to you. Good luck. You're going to need it. You got a closed heart and a closed mind like that? Good luck to you. You've made your mind up. Sometimes we have to let go of the old to come to the new. In Acts chapter 17, verse 30, where Paul was preaching at Mars Hill, he said, at the time of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. As long as you're holding on to those false gods, you're not going to heaven. That's what Paul's telling them. As long as you hold on to the old religion, you're not going. You're not going to be a part of Christ's fam, faith and family. Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 9, Jesus has a confrontation with the Pharisees <laughs> again. He said, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. <laughs> you know what the biggest problem Jesus had? Number one, <coughs> he couldn't get the Pharisees and the rulers to let go of the law of Moses to come to Christ. You know what the number one problem the, Pharisee, the, the apostles had? Getting people to let go of the old religion to come to Christ. They wanted to stay in the pagan religion. They wanted to stay in the old faith. But as long as they did, they weren't coming to Jesus. 
Now, are we following the doctrines and commandments of men? Or are we following what God taught? It makes a difference. I want you to know something else about the Ethiopian eunuch. I wish I could be more like him. He was a good man. He was a man of, that could be trusted in position. He was a man that believed in God. He was a man that sought. He was reading his Bible. He'd gone to worship. This is a good man. In fact, yes, there are a lot of people who go, man, he's better than a lot of people who call themselves Christians. Yeah, but he wasn't a Christian. You know what that tells me? Just being a good man is not enough. Just being a good person is not going to get me into heaven. Well, Lord, I ain't killed nobody. I didn't steal. I don't slap the wife around too much. Okay, I threw that one in there. But you know what I'm saying? I'm a good person. But are you a Christian? I'm not asking you if you're a good person. Philip wasn't asking him, are you a good man? He knew he was a good man. He knew he was a good person with a good heart. But what he wanted to know is, are you a Christian? Are you saved? That's what he was asking. And you may be a good person, and I don't doubt that. And you may be better than some people that call themselves Christians. Unfortunately, that's not the standard on Judgment Day. People tell me sometimes, I'm not going to church up there. They're a bunch of hypocrites. You're going to spend eternity with them? Who do you think is going to be in hell? But it's not enough to be a good person. He had respect for the Word of God. I want you to know that. He was reading his Bible. I had an uncle that could quote the Bible better than most people I know. Much better than I can. Stone cold atheist. Didn't believe there was a God. But when he was a kid, they made him memorize the Bible. And I guess that's where he got it. But he didn't believe in God. And when he got grown, he didn't go to church. He didn't follow God. He didn't believe in him. But he quote the Bible. This man had great respect for the word. You may know things about the Bible. You may be able to quote the Bible. Are you a Christian? That's the question. Not whether you know the Bible forward and backwards, but are you a Christian? He feared God, the Bible said. He had a fear of God. He wanted to know more. He was humble and he had an open mind about it. And he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now I'm told that the man went a thousand miles in a chariot. And while it may have been the latest model, probably a hybrid, I'm sure it didn't have air conditioning. And he had gone across the desert in a chariot with no air conditioning to worship God. How many times have you heard, well, as long as you worship God, it'd be okay? You know what drives me nuts about the news media? <laughs> Lots of things. But when the, I hate it when they talk Bible. Because somebody will say, here's what the Bible says, and they'll go, according to your understanding. Like, whatever understanding I have of the Bible is just going to be okay with God. Really? Where did you read that? That according to your understanding. No, either God said it or he didn't. The Bible teaches it or it doesn't. 
People want to believe that as long as you worship God, whatever your understanding of that is, you're going to be okay. And the Bible doesn't teach it. The Pharisees worship God regularly. And Jesus said, in vain they worship me for teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. To people that were worshiping. Why do you, when did it change that it's okay just however you want to worship will be fine? That you could be a member of the three great religions. I love that one. Islam, Judaism, or Christianity. Just pick one. It's okay. It's kind of a smorgasbord. Think of it Burger King. Have it your way. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible has never taught that it's okay to just do whatever you want to do. Where did you get that? Who told you that? I'll tell you what Jesus did say. Well did Isaiah prophesy of this people. They draw nigh to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. For in vain, the next verse, they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. I got one other one for you since we're getting along so well. You ever heard the verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me? John 14, 6. You ever heard that? You know how I know it's true? It's in red. <laughs> Remember that one? I only believe what's in red. <laughs> Sorry, that, I reminisce here with you. But it's in red. Jesus said it. You know who he said it to? He said it to one of the great religions of the world. Remember the three great religions? He said it to Judaism. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. I know we're anti-Semitic because we believe the words of Jesus. That meant Jesus was anti-Semitic, which is ridiculous. But that's what you're going to hear if you say that. Now, I don't know how to put Islam in this one. I don't know where that come from. But I know what Jesus said. But by me. You may worship God. You may be a good person. You may be a humble spirit. You may have an open mind. You may fear, fear God and read the Bible. Are you a Christian? Man, we're converting an awful good... You know what? I got to doing. I got to noticing something. How do you say this? Do you know there's very few scumbags that were saved in the Bible? Somebody goes, wow, is that the way you picked to say that? <laughs> no, no, really. Think about it. The people they went and preached to an awful lot of times were people we think already had it made. Look in Acts chapter 2. The 3,000 converted, they'd gone to Jerusalem to worship their God. You got Acts chapter 8 here. You got a man riding in a chariot. Get to Acts chapter 10. You get to Cornelius, a man that saw a vision of angels. These are good people. But they weren't saved. Now, yes, there were some bad ones saved too. The fact is, one of them wrote most of the New Testament. But a lot of them were good people that worshiped God already. But they were willing to let go to come to Jesus. What's preventing you? What's stopping you from coming to the Lord? He began at the same scripture and opened his mouth and preached unto him Jesus. It's been a long time, many years ago. 
was in the Houston area. There was a gentleman that I did a Bible study with, and he worked shift work, which a lot of people did back then. And I was a lot younger, so I could stay up later than I generally do. So, at any rate, we didn't start our Bible study normally till about midnight when he got home. And we would usually go to 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, and then we'd call it a day. And we did that, and we did the five-lesson study, which many of you are familiar with. We got down to the last one, and I taught him about God's plan of salvation. Oh, and he didn't like that one. Two o'clock in the morning, we got done, I went home. Evidently, it was eating on him. About 4.30 in the morning, he calls me up, goes, are you awake? No. <laughs> he said, you got to get over here. I go, why, is your house on fire? And he said, no, I've had a revelation from God about you. Well, I'm always interested in what the Lord has to say. So I got up, got dressed, and went over there, and I sat down and had a cup of coffee, and I finally got my eyes open. I said, okay, give me the revelation. He said, the Lord appeared to me and told me to tell you to preach Jesus and quit preaching baptism. You know, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? You guys preach baptism for the remission of sins. You really need to be preaching Jesus and Him crucified. I turn to this passage here. And he goes, that's what I'm telling you. That's what God told me. Preach Jesus. I go, look at the next verse. And as they came on their way, they come into a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And he looks at me and goes, God can't win with you, can he? <laughs> Apparently not. Didn't have an answer for it, and he didn't obey the gospel. But don't you think it's odd that the man preached Jesus to him, and in the very next verse, the man wanted to be baptized. Now, where did he hear that? What made him think he needed to be baptized, folks? Now, I'm going to tell you something. I want you to think about this. You cannot preach Jesus if you do not preach baptism for the remission of sins. I hope you understood what I just said. Somebody said, why do y'all preach baptism for the remission of sins? Because it's a matter of faith. You've either got enough faith to do what Jesus said or you don't. And Jesus taught that. And you can't preach Jesus without preaching the Great Commission. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And so if you're going where they're not preaching baptism as part of the plan of salvation, they're not preaching Jesus, and it's because they don't have the faith. Do you have enough faith to do all Jesus told you or just part of it? I got to thinking about this. And I thought, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I want to go back and I'm going to just look at baptism from the very beginning to the very end. And I ran into problems with some of the brethren on some of this. The first time baptism was preached to the masses was preached in the days of John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. And the first time you run into that is in Mark 1 and 4. And he went through the regions of Judea preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. I want you to look at that. Mark 1 and 4. If I ask most of my brethren, what was the baptism of John for? You know what they'll tell me? Why did John baptize? You know what they will tell me? For repentance. And you got half the answer right. And you're probably basing it on Acts 19 where Paul was in an entirely different discussion, but that's not the point. Look at Mark 1 and 4. John 
did preach the baptism of repentance. You got it right. Look at the next phrase. For the remission of sins. Now in the book of Luke, the third chapter and the third verse, there's a reason I'm going to give you another one. <laughs> it's a killer. Uh, I can't believe I have to do this. John went throughout the regions of Judea preaching in Luke 3 and 3 the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. You know why I'm giving that to you? Had a fellow tell me one time and when I read Mark 4, he goes, I don't know about that. And I read it again in Luke 3. He goes, well, it's twice in there. It must be right. Really? How many times Jesus got to say it for you to buy it? I'm glad I didn't have to have a third one. It's not a misprint. That's the point. John baptized for the remission of sins, looking forward to the one that would come. You know, sometimes I'm asked the question, you know, in Mark 16, when they're preaching the gospel to the whole world, the Bible says, he that believeth not shall be damned. Didn't mention baptized not. And every now and then somebody will come up with this cute deal, and you can already see it in their eyes. Go, Where does the Bible say if you're baptized not, you'll go to hell? Luke 7, 29 to 30. That's where it's at. In the book of Luke, chapter 7, verse 29 to 30. Now, I don't want to mess this up. Luke, chapter 7, verse 29 to 30. And all the people that heard him, and the publicans, you know, before I go any further, I feel sorry for those guys. Do you know that if you were a publican, a tax collector, you had to improve to be a sinner? <laughs> you got, if you were a tax collector, a publican, and that, you got your own category of sin. You know, sometimes we may feel like we're that way. We, we're just in a category all by ourselves. But the Bible would talk about the harlots and the sinners, and then the publican. You had to improve to be a sinner or a harlot. But they justified God. The center of sinners. You know, there's a reason that's in these scriptures. This point was not missed on these people. That was the very bottom. The low life of society. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God. I wonder if he separated them from being people in that one. All the people that heard him and... In my, at any rate. Justified God being baptized in the baptism of John. Now look at verse 30. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. What happened when they refused to be baptized? They rejected the counsel of God against themselves. You really think you can be saved rejecting God? Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Now in the Great Commission, Mark 16, verse 15, which I think is very important to understand in verse 16. The Bible says, Jesus told him, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What's the gospel? Well, if you look at 1 Corinthians 15, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Go into all the world and preach the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. He that believes, what? The death, burial, and resurrection. And is what? Baptized shall be saved. He that does not believe in the death, burial, and resurrection shall be damned. 
Why baptism, folks? You ever wonder that? We preach baptism. Why? Why would the Lord pick baptism? Now, folks, I want you to understand something with me. We are not different from the rest of the Christian world on baptism in, in a way. And let me tell you what I mean by that. You can't go to any church in Christendom. And you know what I mean by Christendom. You pick your denomination. But you can't go to any church that doesn't baptize. Now, there are some that sprinkle. I understand that. There are some that immerse. I understand that. But all of them baptize. Every one of them, including us. If you're offended by a church preaching baptism, you're not going to go to Christendom because they all preach it in some form. Wonder why. I'll tell you why. The only thing that you do that brings you in contact with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus is baptism. You're buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life according to Romans 6. It is the picture of the death, burial, and resurrection. What we're going to do this morning shows his death till he comes. That's what the communion shows. But the only thing that shows the death, the burial, and the resurrection is baptism. Now, all you got to do is take that Bible and figure out why were they baptized. Were they saved before or after? But you're not going to go to a church that doesn't preach baptism in some form. I'm sorry. Unless you go to something that's not a Christian that, and not in Christendom. They all preach it. I say that Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. John baptized for the remission of sins. In Acts 8, the Ethiopian eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Now Philip said to him, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He made a confession of his faith. Years ago, I did a Bible study with a young man. He's about 16, 17 years old. We got down to the end, and I said, would you like to go and be baptized and become a Christian? He goes, nope, don't believe I would. And I said, okie dokie, something went wrong here. I said, you don't believe in Jesus? He goes, oh, no, I believe in Jesus. I know Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that. And I'm going, you're doing something you don't want to repent of. I'm an Einstein. I can figure this stuff out, see. And he said, oh, no. He said, I know I need to make changes, and I've done some bad stuff, and I really do need to make some changes. You don't want to be baptized? He goes, oh, I know i got to be baptized to be saved, but I don't want to go do it. Folks, the only thing left is confessing your faith in Christ. So I read him the verse in Matthew chapter 10 that says, He that confesses me before men, will he'll accept. He goes, what have I got to confess? He goes, you got to say that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He goes, oh, yeah, I'll do that. I go, well, what's stopping you? He said, I thought you had to confess your sins and my daddy going to be sitting there. I can't do that. <laughs> Evidently, him and dad were not on the same page. You know what I mean? And at 17, I can see how that can happen. But you see, God doesn't want you to confess your sins. He knows you're a sinner. He wants you to confess, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The exact thing in John 12, they wouldn't confess because of the Pharisees. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We're willing to change our ways. He repented from being an unbeliever to being a believer in Christ. 
confessed his faith that Jesus was the Son of God, was buried with his Lord in baptism for the remission of sins, as Peter told him in Acts 2.38. Now I want you to notice something very critical to this. And I'm going to give you one last thought. The Bible says after they come up out of the water, both of them had to go down into the water, and that's why we, one of the reasons we immerse, but they both got wet. I love these TV shows, and I digress, I'm sorry, where they both go down into the water and everybody gets soaking wet and then the preacher climbs on a rock and sprinkles him. Really? Does that make any sense to anybody? They both went into the water. But I want you to notice the next verse, and this is the key. The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more, and the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Why was he rejoicing, folks? Because he was a Christian. He was saved. His name was written in the book of life. He went on his way rejoicing. But he rejoiced after he obeyed the gospel. After he was baptized. I want to show you one last thing. In the book of Acts, the 19th chapter. You know, if you look at Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible will say, For by grace are you saved through faith. You believe that? Not of works, lest any man should both, but it's a gift of God. Do we believe that? Well, yeah, I believe that. I believe you're saved by grace through faith. You know what? When we do Bible studies, and Craig's seen this many times, but we do these Bible studies, you get down to the end, and we've showed them everything. Every time we tell them something, we can show it in the Bible. And I, I, they read that verse to me. You're saved by grace through faith, Marlon. And I'll make this statement. If I can show you how the Ephesians were saved by grace through faith, you'd do that, wouldn't you? And they'll go, because <laughs> they know something's up. You, he wouldn't say that if he didn't have some. The conversion of the Ephesians is in Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 1. And I want to share that with you. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to the Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said unto him, We have not so much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He answered and said unto them, Under what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people, They should believe on him who should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, the funny thing about this, the real thing, in Ephesians 2 and 8, when they're showing me a verse that teaches you don't have to be baptized, the example of the people saved by grace through faith, baptized twice. <laughs> Not just once. But we digress. Paul comes to the upper coast and he comes to Ephesus. And he says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? We have not so much heard the whether there be any Holy Ghost. Now, the next verse makes no sense. I'll just be honest with you. It absolutely makes no sense. Paul's got bells, whistles, and everything, alarms going off. Under what then were you baptized? And he's not talking about Holy Spirit baptism, by the way, because that's in verse 6. Well, it's not really, but that's when they received the Holy Ghost. They knew he was talking about water baptism. Now, people, you have received the Holy Ghost since you believed. We don't even know whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he asked them about their baptism. If baptism is not part of the plan of salvation, that verse makes no sense. It would be illogical of anybody's thinking to ask them about their baptism if they don't have to do it. But there must have been something to this baptism thing. Now, why would Paul ask him about that? 
In Matthew 28, when Jesus gave the Great Commission in Matthew, He said, Go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of, stay with me, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They hadn't even heard about the Holy Ghost? In Acts 2, 38, Peter said unto the people when they said, what shall we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And these people hadn't even heard about it. Paul's going, wonder what they were baptized for. And they said, we were baptized under John's baptism. He said, oh, John baptized with baptism and repentance, saying the people they should believe on him that should come after him. You see, John's baptism was fine before Jesus came. But this is 30-something years later. And the baptism of the Great Commission is effective. Now, when they heard this, they said unto Paul, but we've already been baptized. And you know that's not what that said. But that's what Marlon said when I first heard this. When I was about two years old, my parents went to a church where I was sprinkled as an infant. And then when I hit about 12, my dad had changed faiths, went to another church, and I decided I wanted to be a Christian, and I did. And they baptized me by immersion as an outward sign of what's already inwardly taken place, which is nowhere found in Scripture. You can't read that phrase in the Scripture. And then when I got, I graduated high school and I met Bev, I heard about baptism for remission of sins. Now, folks, there ain't many people been baptized more than I have. And I'm beginning to think you people got this hang up with water. But you see, I'd never been baptized. I got wet a couple of times. Maybe you've been baptized like I was two or three times. Maybe one of them, like mine, you were so young, somebody got to tell you you did it. But if you haven't been baptized with the baptism of the Great Commission, like the Ethiopian eunuch and the ride in the chariot, you've never been baptized. You got wet. If you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you will repent of your sins, confess His name, be buried with your Lord in baptism for the remission of your sins in order to be saved. If you're willing to do that, why don't you come as we stand and sing?